and welcome to Pandemic Mama, the podcast that brings you honest conversations about having a baby during COVID-19 times. I'm Irina Gonzalez, a journalist, new mom, and your host. This is episode 23, and today I'm talking with Jen Chowdhury. She is a journalist, writer, and new mom. We talked about the crazy story of how she moved in with her boyfriend, celebrated her birthday, went into lockdown, and found out about her unexpected pregnancy all in the same week. Seriously, you have to listen to this one. Plus, we also talked about the difficulty of balancing being a working mom with spending time with your baby and your own self-care needs. So stay tuned after the break. But first, if you want to connect with fellow parents going through the craziness of having a baby in 2020 and 2021, please join the Pandemic Mama Podcast Facebook group by searching for Pandemic Mama Podcast or heading to facebook.com slash groups slash Pandemic Mama Pod. Thanks. with Jen Chowdhury. She is a journalist, writer, and new mom. Welcome, Jen. Thanks for being here. Hi, how are you? Thank you. I'm good. (laughs) So, well, you have a really fun and fascinating story. Uh, So why don't we get right into it, which is where exactly were you in your pregnancy journey when the pandemic first started? Yes, I have a pretty great story. Um, So basically, uh, since 2018, I'd been living in Bangladesh, where where my parents are from, but I'd never lived there before. Um, and I had moved there as a journalist to cover the Rohingya refugee crisis. And uh, I was having a great old time, you know, just uh, being a journalist and traveling all over Asia. And I was also consulting for the UN. And in, t- in 2019, actually, I met my now husband, over there. Um, So we had been dating for exactly about a year, maybe a year and then some. Um, And in March of last year, we moved in together. So we moved in to our apartment, our new apartment in Bangladesh on March 7th. And on March 12th, I found out I was pregnant totally unplanned. And March 15th was actually my 36th birthday. And then I think what a couple of days after that, we found out that New York uh, City where which is home for me, um, went into lockdown. And then the week after that, Dhaka, which is the capital of Bangladesh went into lockdown as well. So here we are, <laughs> just moving <laughs> together, uh, find out I'm pregnant. Um, and locked down together without a game plan all in basically the same week oh my god that is and your birthday yes wow so i mean i want to ask you how you feel but you must have had so many more than than just one feeling going through your mind right then yeah it was it was a lot of things huge huge life changes um i mean my my boyfriend then at the time and I were pretty serious we were talking about getting married and all of those things um but um you know I come from a pretty conservative Muslim family and they didn't even actually know about him yet um my parents live in New York City and so I was gonna come home that summer and kind of you know, uh, introduce them to him virtually and, you know, just get that conversation started. Um, and here I am knocked up <laughs> out of my block, and I'm like, okay. And I'm, I just turned 36 years old and I still was terrified about what, Oh my God, what are my parents going to say? You know, but so that was, 
the first thing that I was terrified about. And then of course, you know, having a baby, it wasn't in the, it wasn't the plan yet. So just that itself is scary. Um, And then like the world just totally shutting down and especially seeing what was happening in New York, which New York is usually invincible and to see it totally shut down like that was really terrifying. And um, I'm a New Yorker. I was born and raised here. And we are pretty egotistical and think ne- nothing can shut our city down. And to watch <laughs> from the other side of the uh, world, essentially watching my home just, I don't even know how to describe it, just like all the deaths and all just... So it, it felt like a movie. It felt like a horrible movie, and mm. and and worrying about my parents and my family, um, my friends, all of that, while also dealing with first trimester morning sickness, and to be honest, trying to figure out if I was going to even have this child or not. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, so there was just a lot going on, and and also wondering like, do I leave? Do I um, go home? Or do I stay here with my partner? Because um, we have there's a whole immigration thing. I can I have an American passport. I can move around the world wherever, mostly you know, except maybe Cuba again. <laughs> but uh, you know, all <laughs> all these places. But uh, my husband is from Bangladesh, and so you know he can just get up and go. And so there's a whole there's a whole story there too about um how we got his immigration processed. But um so yeah, so there were a lot of questions. There was a lot of lot of fear on on mm-hmm. many different levels. So how did you start like dissolving those questions into answers? Like how did how did everything start? Were you having you know, did you first begin by like examining your own feelings about, you know, about this pregnancy and about the lockdown and everything? Or did you have like deeper conversation with your your partner or your family? Like how did it all end up coming together and in, into what, you know, a year later is a completely different situation, really? Yeah. Um, spoiler alert, I now have a three month old. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's really out of like, a rom-com or something, you know, I'm used to pregnancy tests that you pee in a stick and that's how you find out, right? At, at home mm-hmm. pregnancy tests. And in, I guess, Bangladesh or some parts of Asia, they have these, their home pregnancy tests are completely different, or at least right now, this is the format that they're in, which is um, they're in little droppers, like the tiniest huh. dropper. And you're supposed to somehow get your urine in there and then put it on, you know, the stick and the little um, hole where, you know, it, it'll populate and then you it turns a color, you know, uh, blue, red, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't do it. <laughs> I just couldn't figure out. It's really, it, like I said, a scene out of a, a movie. Um, I just couldn't figure out how to do it. So I kept getting so many different, um, uh, like, well, two different answers, like one showed I was pregnant, one showed I wasn't. And my, you know, partner was just like running around town trying to find me, um, you know, the peon, the, the, the peon stick version. Um, mm-hmm. And we were like, okay, this is crazy. But I, I tell this story, aside from the fact that it's just funny, um, and makes for a good anecdote. But um, because through that process, it was like two over two, three days. Like we kept just taking tests. Um, 
we I really had a chance to think about about this because I I I I'd been pregnant before. I've had terminations and um I was in a very different place in my life and this wasn't a, the perfect time to have a baby at all. Mm-hmm. But um you know, I was turning 36 and actually I'd written an an essay for Shondaland um just a couple months before that in November about how I'd finally gotten my dream career which is to be a foreign correspondent and does that mean that you know at almost 36 I was never going to get the chance to have a family um, and a biological child. Um, And here I am months later (laughs) pregnant. Um, So all these questions in my head. And um, so, and then, and then the pandemic kind of started in full steam, right? And people Mm -hmm. were taking it seriously in January and February, right? In January, I was traveling, going to Sri Lanka, which isn't isn't that too far from Bangladesh, and just you know, just being on the road all the time um, because of my work. Um, a couple of weeks before I found out I was pregnant, I was in the refugee camps. Not even a couple of weeks, like the week before, you know, without mm-hmm. being asked about anything. So you know, life was just you know just going as I think for everybody. Um, so. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, <laughs> trying to get back to the original question here. But, um, so during that process of like taking the test and then finally going to a doctor and confirming that, yes, I was pregnant and then dealing with lockdown and what that meant for, you know, for me, for my work, there were, um, chartered planes that the U S embassy, um, um, had that was were taking American citizens out of Bangladesh back home, and uh, so so many decisions decisions to make. Do I stay mm-hmm. here? Do I go like what you know what it is, and then um, at the end of March, early April, I actually um, started bleeding and had a miscarriage scare, and we were and uh, there's no public transportation in Dhaka. There are there are public buses, almost nobody uses them. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say that. I should say, um, you know, as an expat, I probably wouldn't use one. And I usually had, like, there's Uber there, there's uh, Lyft, there's that kind of public transportation. But everything was shut down. Uber was shut down. Um, not Lyft, Lyft. There's no Lyft there, there's Uber. Um, and everything was shut down. And it's the middle of the night. And um, I'm bleeding heavily. And I'm about seven weeks pregnant. I had no idea what was going on. And a friend, luckily, um, was able to take us to the hospital. And the baby's fine. I was fine. It was uh, sort of a false alarm. Mm-hmm. But that was sort of the moment that I realized that I really want to have this child. Mm. And, <laughs> you know, nothing like a dramatic uh, scare to <laughs> force you into a decision. I think I was in crisis mode. That is how I would describe what I was feeling and dealing with. It was just one crisis after another and trying to like problem solve to the point where I think I'm still processing what I must have been feeling at that time. Mm. I was just trying to you know, get through it and figure out what is it that I'm going to do? Like, where is this all going? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think a lot of us went through, I mean, definitely not as dramatic as your story. I think being, (laughs) you know, being away from home and like having met this like fairly new guy and like all that stuff um, definitely is pretty dramatic. But, you know, but I think in general, like all of the, all of us, 
around the world have really been in like this crisis survival mode for the past year. And I think that at least, at least I always feel, and, and really the reason why I started this podcast is that those of us also going through like pregnancy and, and new parenting through the pandemic have just this like added layer of insanity because there's so much that we don't know. And so much that's unexpected on top of, you know, all the regular life that we have to manage, you know, like, working and, and being a human and, a, you know, and a daughter and also surviving in the pandemic and like figuring all of that out as there's not, you know, a lot of information from any of our governments. Well, maybe some governments are better than others, but certainly here in the US, it didn't feel in the beginning, like there was a whole lot that our government was like advising us to do. And yeah, and just like being a new parent and all that. Uh, and like the first trimester for you must have been I imagine anxiety inducing and like all the decisions and things you had to consider. Yes, I was anxious all the time. It was, it was, and I'm not an anxious person. Like I really Mm -hmm. thought, which is probably why I'm describing it as like, oh, look at me. I was a superwoman, like trying to get shit done and solve my problems. Well, yes, I think you kind of um, picked up on actually what I was feeling, which is, yeah, very, very anxious. Um, I had so many things that I was dealing with. Um, And uh, sometimes, honestly, I kind of, I remember there were days where I just kind of laid there like a zombie well, also because I was throwing up a lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> I had one of those first trimesters. But um, but just because I just couldn't wrap my head around, like, what crisis do I tackle first? First of all, I'm, I'm now I have this huge healthcare need in a country that I am completely unfamiliar with the healthcare process and is not woman friendly at all. And, you know, I'm in my 30s. I have lots of friends who have had kids and I know you know, the basics of like what you should look for and what you, what kinds of things that are like sort of uh, the pregnancy journey. Right. But, Mm -hmm. but really like, yeah, not a lot of information. Um, so I had to like look up all these things and it was crazy, like trying to communicate with doctors there. Um, because I do speak Bengali, which is the language there, but um, it's pretty rusty because it's my second language. And mm-hmm. um, so I would try to explain myself and I would have to, you know, switch between languages. And also it's just dealing with um, pre- pregnancy and, and just doctors and all that is anxiety inducing for, anyway, in under normal circumstances, right? And I couldn't like uh, see, I think I couldn't get a sonogram in the beginning, um, because they weren't doing that because of the pandemic. So yeah, there was all these things that you had to deal with. And, um, and there was no one to, it was the first, it was kind in 100 years, right? So not nobody right. knew what they what they were doing here or there and and it's interesting because you know ordinarily I would say oh my god look I'm in the global south right or what mm-hmm. you know we used to call um, a third world country and um, look at all these issues that we're facing but then I would be reading articles out of the U.S. where um, women seem to be dealing with the same same issues like pregnant women were dealing with the same issues they couldn't see doctors they couldn't get the right health care they didn't they weren't allowed to have um anybody come in with them you know when they were 
seeing um, their mm-hmm. OBGYN. Like so many things were not available to them, right? So um, so it is interesting. I, I kind of felt like an anchor in a way <laughs> because I was dealing with um, something that I thought I would never deal with in another country. But if I was home, I, I don't think it would have been much different either. Right. Right. Yeah, I guess that's very true. Yeah. So can I ask how your family reacted to the news? How did, <laughs> how did you even announce it to them? I mean, was oh it like God. a Zoom, awkward Zoom? Oh, God, this is the best story. I, just <laughs> I feel like I'm giving away my memoir to your podcast. Um, so maybe some like agent will like listen to this and be like, oh, my God, that's a story I need to like give mm-hmm. up a deal. Um, yeah. Totally getting, you know, sidetracked here. Um, so, you know, I'd been in the hospital. I didn't tell when I was bleeding and, you know, had that, um, you know, sort of miscarriage scare um, early on in the, couple, you know, seven weeks. So I had come home and I was, you know, feeling very vulnerable. And my partner was like, okay, you need, we need to tell our parents now. Like there's a pandemic and we need to like, you know, mobilize. Like we need to figure out what we're doing and how we're doing this and we need all the help we can get. And I'm mm-hmm. just being a little wuss and being like, no, I don't want to do this. I don't know how to talk to them about this. Because like I said, I come from a very conservative background. So my, my partner and I are kind of discussing this and I kid you not, I kid you not, I feel like I'm making this up. Um, it's going to sound like I'm making this up, but I butt dialed my mom. <gasps> <laughs> Oh my no! Really? Tell anybody? Like I am like paranoid as hell about phone things because I'm a journalist. I record things on my phone. Like Mm -hmm. I get things deleted. You know, like just a million things. You know, um, a million reasons. And uh, I I don't know how this happened. A divine intervention. I don't know. But I butt dialed my mother, and she heard us talking about like okay, him kind of saying like you need to tell your parents like this needs to like we need to figure out like are we getting you on this like chartered U.S. embassy plane and getting you home so you can get like per- the the right care like what you know we need to figure out what you're doing, mm-hmm. what we're doing. Um, and my mom. <laughs> but tell my mother and yeah it was crazy because that is not how you want to hear that your daughter is knocked up by someone she's never met in yeah <laughs> on the other side of the world no matter how she could be i could have been any age it wouldn't have mattered right mm-hmm. so all hell broke loose after that um but you know um eventually things worked out because they always do um but you know so one of the things that happened is that i mean it's virtually unheard like you you can't I mean you can have a baby out of wedlock over there it's a Muslim majority country and they're very strict but you know it's there's a lot of issues that come up and you know to be honest my boyfriend had proposed to me already like a couple months before that and Mm -hmm. talking about getting married and all of these things so it just all sped up (laughs) Mm -hmm. really quickly and even then um we so we had a zoom wedding in may um i was about three months pregnant at the time and yeah it was none of it was what i had pictured nothing so here i am i have i'm pregnant i'm i getting married all of these things in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> like right. It was, just, it was a lot. It was just a lot. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it definitely sounds like it. Wow. <laughs> so you had the Zoom wedding in May and yeah. 
Well, I mean, since you kind of hinted about it, I and I don't know how much you can reveal, so totally fine if you yeah. can't say much, but I would love to hear about the immigration process and how all of that happened. Because you're back in New York now, right? Yeah, and my, and my husband is here too. Um, so, you know, um, the Trump administration had um, halted a lot of, you know, a lot of um, immigration proceedings. Um, mm-hmm. So... One of the things that they didn't stop was processing um, Im- immigration visas for spouses and children of U.S. citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were a green card holder, um, you couldn't get your family over here. But if you were a U- U.S. citizen, you could. But the process is takes, ordinarily, it takes about a year and a year and a half anyway, under normal circumstances. Um, so, And right now, everything was backed up, like the uh, the embassies were closed. So the way the process goes is you first apply through the um, U.S. Customs and Immigration, which is based in the U.S. And then if your spouse is living in another country, you know, they, um, the Department of State then processes the application, sends it to the embassy in, you know, their respective country. They Mm -hmm. call you for an interview and then they determine if they would like to give you a visa or not. Right. So all of that, I just try to break it down really quickly. There's a lot in between, but you know, that's the general process for, um, that we had to go through. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I definitely wanted to be back home before to to give birth. Um, I just couldn't Mm -hmm. imagine giving birth and I don't have really any family there, even though like I'm from, like we're from there, but all my family lives in the United States and Canada. So I really didn't have anybody there. Um, But we didn't know, we didn't know what was going to happen. Right. So I was due in November Mm -hmm. and find out, found out I was pregnant in March, you know, and we're just trying to figure out how to do all of this. Oh my God. Just rehashing this makes me realize how crazy that time was. Just, (laughs) I can't even believe I got through, we got through it. So, okay. So we get married in May and then immediately I start, um, you know, putting together the application, which is, you know, immigration is, it's so much legalese. We didn't hire anybody. I did consult an attorney and asked if there was any way to speed up the process since mm-hmm. I was pregnant like, and there's a pandemic going. Is there, are there any emergency, you know, things I could kind of, you know, processes that I could um, turn to. And um, the attorney said, no, not really. And there's a pandemic. And also on the U- U.S. immigration website, it very clearly s- states that pregnancy is not a reason to expedite um, of an immigrant visa application. Oh, very clearly it says it on the site. But I was so desperate that I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm gonna try anyway. Well, like, what do I have to lose? Really? Right. Not, you know, right. I ended up, and this is where you know being a journalist came in handy. Handy, <laughs> and I did like shit ton of research and found out that there was an expedite process. Normally, it's used for like illness or like political reasons or like, like really dire situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and again, very, you know, plainly states that pregnancy is not a, you know, a reason, but I decided to write the best, co- you know, cover letter slash letter to immigration that they've probably ever seen in their life. Not a joke. But- <laughs> 
and basically said that, you know, I'm pregnant. I, I, um, I kind of threw in that I, I was also consulting for the United Nations mm-hmm. and I was going to use that as street cred that look, I'm this like model citizen here <laughs> stuck in this other country with my husband and soon to be born baby. I need to get out of here and I need my husband to be with me so that I can, I have postpartum care. And it worked essentially. Essentially, it worked. Um, but there are three, three different sort of parts of this process. So we got through the first two before I got on a plane at the end of August, which is when I was around seven months in. That was like sort of the last I could fly. And we didn't know still if he was going to be able to join me by November. But, you know, the, the short, short, as short as I can make this version is that he ended up um, coming to New York two days before my due date and oh. uh, four days before I gave birth. So, wow. This is a very dramatic story. Like, so dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> Every part of it has been very dramatic. Yeah, seriously. I actually super hope that a book editor is listening to this and <laughs> totally, like, contacts you because this is crazy. It wow, is. two days before your due date? Oh, yeah. my God. Not even a whole two days. Like I was due on November thirteenth, and he like landed at JFK at like eight p.m. on November eleventh. Mm-hmm. And I already had two false alarms. I thought I was like going into labor. I'd ended up in the hospital twice in the like week before that, two weeks before that. So, Oof. oh my yeah. god, wow, yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, first of all, congrats. I'm so glad that you. <laughs> you made it yeah. and that you were able to have, you know, the postpartum care that you wanted. Yeah. But man, did you guys go through the ringer? We went through it. Few months. Yeah. We went through it. And, you know, we're still going through it. Like we're newlyweds where, you know, like I'm, I were new parents, both had to adjust to a lot of new things. I mean, he's, He's new in this country. He's never even visited the United States before. So t- everything's totally new. And I haven't been able to really help him navigate it that much because I'm busy being a mom, you know, and in the first couple of months, I won't say it's the burden is more on the mother than the father, but there's definitely a physical aspect of it, right? That mm-hmm, is very mm-hmm. different for you as a mother. So yeah, so it's been it's been a lot. And and my, my daughter just turned three months last week. And oh. we're, yeah, and we're still finally starting to feel like not that we know what we're doing but like we're not like freaking out every two seconds over mm-hmm. something or another you know whether it's immigration or a pandemic or pregnancy or whatever you know? yeah <laughs> um, um just bills or you know like we're and we're both starting over because I'm back home after like two years almost three years and trying to figure out what I'm gonna do next too so mm-hmm. but the one amazing thing out of all of this besides, of course, my daughter, in addition to my daughter, is that my daughter sleeps through the night. I am one of those lucky moms that got Aww. a baby that sleeps at night. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's going to change, but it's been, it's, it's been pretty steady since she turned two months old. Um, her time changes a little bit, but, um, you know, this is like boring stuff that I would probably not talk about if I wasn't on literally a parenting podcast. (laughs) But I'm sure other moms are going to relate. Uh, My daughter sleeps through the night. It's such a blessing. So yes. Yeah. yeah. We could kind of like spend some time together and figure out like life. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think we sleep trained my son Rio at 
just after four months. Mm -hmm. And he was like an okay sleeper before then, probably also around the two month mark. He started not sleeping through the night, but he would sleep like big chunks, you know? Um, And then once we sleep trained him, he's for the most part slept 10 hours, nine hours, you know, now closer to like 10 or 11 hours. Yeah. So it's been, it's been honestly like, I actually call it my sanity saver because (laughs) I mean, really, I mean, you just got out of it, but, uh, and I, I'm still like, I'm still traumatized by how just like grueling that fourth trimester is, you know, and just like the lack of sleep and just all the things. The first month, the Mm -hmm. first couple of weeks, I don't think there's, I mean, you gotta be a weirdo something. I don't know. I'm being mean, but like, you know, just someone special if you are not like if it doesn't feel like the world is just closing in on you (laughs) two or three weeks you know it's so no matter what kind of birth you had no matter what kind of like it you know how bad your recovery is or how good if it's not physical it's emotional it's mental there's just so much going on that like you always hear about you know before you've ever had children you Mm -hmm. know but it's unless you go through it I don't think it's something that can be described really. And also it's something new that we're socially talking about anyway. Like yeah. women for trimester and all of that stuff. Like mm-hmm. I see it all over my feeds and all of that, but because that is what I'm interested in. Right. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm open and I'm, you know, like I, I'm a new mom. I see all that, but there really isn't a lot of information. And even the information that's out there is so shitty. It's so shitty. Yeah. So glad you have this podcast. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so true. The fourth trimester is just, it's grueling. And, you know, um, like what's, what is now being kind of called like the fifth trimester. And that's a great book, by the way, as you, as you like, if you're thinking about getting back to work soon and stuff. Um, but, you know, like this next transition too is like, is the there called the fifth trimester? Is yeah. So um, it's actually, it was coined by, um, an editor who wrote a book literally called the fifth trimester. And it's about like yeah. the working mom's transition back to work after, Ooh. you know, hopefully having time off. It's, it's, yeah, it's, I highly recommend it. And she's actually got an Instagram too. That's like at the fifth trimester. I am so going to check that out. And, yeah. that, and that is, um, I am actually starting to get back into work and um, like I'm doing some freelance stuff. Like mm-hmm. I started last week, actually. I just oh, happened nice. to see that I got something right as my three months ended. But, you know, um, we're all working from home mostly. Well, I shouldn't say all, but, you know, um, I am. Um, people in my industry are, in our industry are, I guess. Mm-hmm. I That is just another just another hurdle that is like now new moms are going through. I mean, my situation is that I actually had a coveted uh, rent-controlled apartment in in Brooklyn that mm-hmm. was amazing, and I'd be, I had I'd been subletting it while I was traveling, and I'd fully come back prepared to like set up in our in that apartment. It was pretty big, perfect with a newborn, um, you know, my husband, me, and our daughter, and then I actually had the baby. <laughs> and uh mm-hmm. i was staying with my parents in um uh they're in uh, in in queens in astoria it's not too far but you know it's it, during a pandemic going anywhere is a hike right so yeah um, and i was staying there and my mom was helping me recover and my you know my dad's retired my mom is you know you know not working right now and it's just seemed impossible 
to be by ourselves, <laughs> you know, in our apartment. Luckily, my parents have a first floor tenant. It's a one bed, small one bedroom apartment. And they were moving out just two months after I gave birth. And they had told us from before. So we actually moved in downstairs. And oh, wow. Yes. So again, very, very lucky. Well, after all the trauma I went through, I, you know, God just threw me a bone. But uh, so my parents, it's, it's amazing. Like I, my fifth trimester is starting sort of, I've been giving myself office hours because mm-hmm. I'm job searching and freelancing and trying to like figure out what's next for me career wise. And um, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not working. I, I'd left all this stuff back in Bangladesh, like all the stuff I was doing. So I, you know, we somewhat have a schedule. I wake up, I spend some time with my daughter and then I um, shuffle her upstairs to uh, grandma, grandpa daycare <laughs> and come back and forth to feed her and things like that. So I am extremely lucky. My parents are also pretty young. My mom's like not even 60 yet. So she has a lot of energy to actually like help me with my mm-hmm. kid. Um, so I'm very lucky. And I think about this and I don't take it for granted because I have friends with really young kids and, and, and kids in school and all that. And I see it and I just, I don't know how everyone's doing it, you know, just like working or getting back into work and, you know, raising their children all at home. I know there's been a lot of stuff like the New York times that did, did a really good series on it um, about, you know, just working moms, but yeah, the primal scream. Yes. <laughs> so good but but yeah the fifth the the fifth trimester like it's just i don't know i just started so like you said i i don't know exactly yet you'll have to check mm-hmm. in a couple of months but yeah so that's how it's going for me it's mm-hmm. you know i'm i'm lucky i'm pretty lucky but but the downside to that is that i'm super independent i haven't lived with my parents around my parents in years and to have to like sort of give up my independence and even though we're technically renting from them, it doesn't feel like it. it. feels like I'm just living in my childhood home. There's a lot there. You know, it's an emotional time anyway. You know, good and bad. There's like all the emotions of like, my daughter's also the first, their first grandchild. So there's like, she's just spoiled Ryan, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, which is great, you know, you know, good for her. She gets all the love she needs. Um, but but, you know, there's also a lot of butting heads, you know, as when you're an adult and, you know, living in proximity to your parents. Oh, yeah. I can also speak to that from experience because I, you know, I left New York um, like the month after I turned 30, uh, mostly like to get sober and, and just like change. Up yeah, I remember. I doing. Yeah. And mm-hmm, and so but I like moved in with my parents and, you know, thankfully I like met my husband shortly after and ended up moving in with him instead. But, you know, even yeah. now, like I live really close to my parents and, you know, the past actually the past, since the beginning of the year, my mom has actually been my primary so- source of childcare because now Rio is crawling, which is like really oh, fun and exciting. But also like <laughs> now I literally can't work because like, yeah. Least, you know, at least before I could like, I, w- I would do, I would like sit him down in my, like, I distinctly remember I would like sit on the couch with my computer on my lap and I would sit him on the floor in between my legs with like a little basket of toys. And right. he could spend like an hour just like picking out all the different toys and examining them you know like it was it was like he's a pretty chill baby so you know he could just like play but now he just wants to move and move and move some more and it's definitely a different a different thing and um i guess well uh preview (laughs) um of your future life is probably that as you'll (laughs) soon learn 
that right as you're getting out of like the fourth trimester, which is like its own brand of horribleness, yeah. <laughs> it, you know, it does start to get more fun. I would say like every moment is like different and interesting, but it's, it's very much like there's something new all the time. And it's usually like fun, interesting things, but it also like in some way makes your life a little bit more uh, difficult to like the crawling, you know, or like now he's standing a bunch and he's not, you know, I don't think he's close to walking, but even then, like, he'll, like, crawl, like, I'll, I'll literally be, like, cooking dinner or making him him a bottle, and he'll, like, crawl up to me in the kitchen and just want me to hold, like, pick him up and hold him. And I'm, like, I need two hands to, like, finish making your bottle, you know? <laughs> right. This is yeah. for you, by the way. F- right, right, I'm yeah. Here, you know, like, let me make you your meal. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel that often, I, I feel like I have to choose between, well, now that I'm, like, giving myself office hours and doing some freelance work, working or, um, you know, spending time with my child or taking time for myself, you know, because mm-hmm. there are a lot about self-care and all of that. And so I'm trying to implement that. But, you know, but these are the, like sort of the and then and then, oh, you know, the thing that seems to happen, I think, with a lot of new moms with also spending time with your partner, especially when mm-hmm. you're home too, you know, um, so there's these four brackets of like, you know, like buckets rather, uh, you know, that I'm like dividing my life into. And um, I'm really trying to trying to stay present. Like, I know what the right things to do are, right? Like, I know that trying to stay present in each of those areas is what I should be trying to achieve or aiming for. But it's really hard. You know, it's mm-hmm. really hard. Like when I'm with my kid, I'm like, Oh, my God, maybe I should like, send out that email or whatever, or, you know, like, or, okay, she needs to go down. So like my husband and I can like finish our like Netflix series. So that's our time together, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. About the other bucket. Um, but when I should just be enjoying that at the time, you know, but it's, it's like almost impossible. It seems so far. Yeah, I, it's true. And I honestly think that's like, that's part of like that whole mom brain thing yeah. or whatever is like, you're always thinking of everything and anything. And like, I, I feel like even when I'm engaged at work or even like with my husband, you know, there's always like some, some part of me is thinking about the baby. And when I, even when I'm with my baby, some part of me could be like thinking about the baby, like the baby's needs in the future. You know what I mean? Like sometimes right. I'm like playing with him, but then I'm also thinking like, man, it's been a while since I cut his nails or like, Right. Oh man, do I have time to do his laundry tomorrow? And just yeah. like that kind of thing too. It's it's definitely very stressful. Or and, um, pumping, my yeah, I yeah, pumping. I mean, I know we can talk about pumping and breastfeeding forever and ever and ever. And mm-hmm. I know recently just weaned him off. I remember seeing a post. Yeah, I did. Yeah, pretty emotional experience, I would imagine. It so. was. It was. He actually weaned himself. To be oh. honest, yeah. yeah. I mean, he'd been. Um, uh, so like I had low supply issues and that were like kind of genetic and stuff. And, um, you know, I worked with a lactation consultant to do the best I could, which to be honest was like in April when everything was super locked down. So like right. it was really awkward video calls, which doesn't really do much, but I, yeah. I do think she helped. But, um, you know, we, we just started supplementing with formula pretty early on and, and we had a really good, I, I really am like happy with our breastfeeding relationship because we lasted much longer like we didn't last as long as I hoped but we lasted much longer than I thought after I kind of discovered my issues you know yeah um but yeah it was literally like one week he just I could just tell he was like finishing up um but I'm glad the way it happened because you know it was sort of his choice and like he he was happy with what he got yeah it, it felt really 
really good. But man, pumping, I actually gave up on pumping after like a few weeks because I could not stand it. And I got these like, uh, this is like TMI even for my own podcast, <laughs> but I got these like, uh, like my skin kind of got really raw and, and sore around like my, my nipple area, like not on my nipple, but you know, like right at the oh, edge. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like terrible, like healing that. My lactation consultant was literally like, "You just have to like walk around topless for the weekend, like for like a few days." And I was like, "Cool," you know. It's it was it was rough. So like, I kind of gave up on pumping, and I mean, we still breastfed a bunch, so yeah. I was like, "It's fine." But yeah, pumping, I just like could not stand. Yeah, I I'm using the excuse that I'm home, so I breastfeed. Mm-hmm. I also supplement with formula. Um, I would say I breastfeed about eighty percent, and I like I formula is about 20 percent um nice. it was more um yeah I, I sound like like this perfect mom no i'm not um at the beginning mm-hmm. it was definitely more formula less breastfeeding um because <laughs> when they're so tiny it's so hard to hold them i know <laughs> and i'm a big boobied mama so like i still have to hold my booby to my child so mm-hmm. um you know it's really hard like like she's not like at that point where she can just hold it or i don't know yeah it's just the way my boobs are but um but yeah like i but now like we're both in a rhythm and so breastfeeding is a little is much easier so i, mm-hmm. I can do it more often now but pumping is just so abusive <laughs> <laughs> i got the like you know the 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 hands free bra, the, all the parts, all the things, mm-hmm. and all this money on this shit. And I so I, so I you know I use the excuse. Well, I'm home now, so like you know like even if I'm working, I'm working from home, so I can I can feed her. I don't have to pump. But mm-hmm. yes, yeah, so if I pump, then I could you know like the I, you know so when she's with my parents, they'll they'll give her formula if I don't come up or whatever. If I don't have right. bottles um, of breast milk, which is very very few in between, um, then they'll give her a formula. And, and, you know, I sometimes I tell myself like, oh, maybe, well, if I pumped, she could add more formula, but whatever. I mean, sorry, breast milk, but you know what? Formula keeps her full longer too. So whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I think, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like for me, for sure, Rio started sleeping better once yeah. he started, especially once he started having formula, like late in the day, like yeah. he still, he still breastfeed it. Like, he basically like breastfed himself to sleep when he, especially when he was like around your daughter's age, but you know, just having formula even a little bit before that, like helped. So yeah, I would, I mean, not to, not to get in the weeds of like (laughs) feeding schedules, but um, before like early, early, early days, um, you know, before she was like, when she was getting up regularly, like every two to three hours in the middle of the night, I just couldn't breastfeed her. Like I was like falling Mm -hmm. on her and stuff. So I would, uh, do formula in the middle of the night more and I believe that that helped her sleep like okay. that helps sleeps at night this is this is like I have no scientific evidence but except like patterns like analyzing her patterns but mm-hmm. I totally feel like because she got used to not being super hungry as often breastfed children are because mm-hmm. you know just milk is thinner and all of that yeah but, um you know oh my god some like breastfed only moms are gonna listen to this and be like oh my god oh my god terrible terrible, terrible. <laughs> um anyway but um but i felt like that got her into got her accustomed to like sleeping through the night so now mm-hmm. i actually don't give her formula night because like i'll i'll she'll just like i'll just i'll um What's that called? Dream feed her once before I go mm-hmm. before I go to bed. Um, and just kind of like it's quick and easy. And 
you know, we get it over with. But yeah, yeah. Supplementing for the win. I totally, totally am team supplement. So yeah, yeah. It's funny because I remember um, when I was pregnant, I was like super gung ho about breastfeeding. And I was like, it's all I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to exclusively breastfeed, like, blah, 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 blah. And then I don't know. I, I feel like once it actually happened, I just kind of was like, you know what? Like, screw that. Like, more yeah. power to people who can exclusively do this or exclusively do that. But I, you know, I feel like our little haphazard system of like, you know, pumping a little bit in the beginning and then breastfeeding yeah. and, and supplementing, like putting it all together, like in all the different parts, like that's really what worked for us. Yeah. And it's kind of what works for a lot of people, right? Like we just, we don't talk about that as much. Yeah, no, for sure. I know, I know a lot of people, like personally, just moms that I know that like, sort mm -hmm. of really supplement, but don't really talk about it so much because there's so much like shaming. Oh my God, there's so much shaming in the mommy world. It's insane. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> you know, like vaginal birth versus C-section, natural birth versus, you know, breastfeeding versus you know, mm -hmm. pumping versus formula versus blah, blah, blah. Like, listen, I was a formula baby because in the 80s, like, that's what you were marketed, you know? So Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, the fourth trimester, like, no one focuses on the mom's mental health. Like, I felt like, um, you know, my husband, you know, one of the, one of the, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see if we have other children, how he acts <laughs> during that pregnancy. But because of the pandemic, like he was so extra precious with me, mm -hmm. you know, when we would leave the house while I was still in Bangladesh to go to our doctor's mm -hmm. appointments or whatever. That's really the only time I left. Mm -hmm. It was like crazy sanitizing, crazy. I mean, with, you know, for good reason, but it was just like, he like, he was really anxious and dealt with some, you know, like mental health issues himself at during that time. Mm -hmm. So it was such a rough time. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, but then like I had the baby and it's like, it's almost like and he, he's a preface this to, by saying he's a great guy, but you know, he kind of forgot that like, Hey, my body just went through this pretty crazy thing. Mm -hmm. And he saw it, you know, he was there, but, um, you know, they kind of just forget like how much or not forget. They just don't understand. Maybe. I don't know. I don't want to make excuses, but it's, it's a, it's, it's a society wide problem that we aren't taking that, you know, taking care of new moms isn't a problem. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, and so like, yeah, I mean, when all of this, like when I had to make all these decisions about, how to feed my child, you know, how to like, should I sleep? Like, well, I'm too, she's too early for too young for me to sleep train, but like all these other decisions that I have to make, I, I've told myself that I have to stay healthy first mm -hmm. and foremost so that I can raise her. Right. Me, you know? Um, so, but it's, it's, it's easy to say when you're on, you know, when you're like being on a, on a podcast, but it's really hard to do <laughs> sometimes you know but I yeah. try I really try because after the year like last year we after what like we all went through and like from my own personal experience I was like if I wasn't like trying to keep my head straight through all of it there was no way I would have gotten through it so I think I'm kind of approaching parenting the same way mm -hmm. so can I ask what are some of those ways that you are trying to stay healthy for yourself and for the sake of your daughter yeah. Um, so I take total advantage of my parents very shamelessly and I don't, <laughs> I'm not apologetic about it. I will, mm -hmm. you know, if, um, I will take an extra 20 minutes and like just sit there and like watch 
uh, uh, something on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I by myself, even though I could be, you know, I could get my, you know, daughter back downstairs and like, you know, take her off my mom's hands or my dad's hands. But I don't sometimes I just I just, you know, let myself be um, because or whatever that's whether that's watching TV or like reading a book or doesn't matter. Like I, I make time for myself every single day. Um, I really do. And that is something I've been really, first of all, I have the luxury of being able to do that because I have like such good childcare right now. Um, also, you know, um, my mom and, you know, my mom and I have always had like, I'm her first child, you know, I'm a daughter. I'm definitely a daddy's girl. I've always butt heads with my mother, but after becoming a mother, and I think this is pretty common, like we've ha- our our relationship has totally changed, and and you know she's also a first generation immigrant. They don't understand self care or like mm. care of yourself at all. But it's been interesting to watch her her reactions to me. Like for mm-hmm. example, every day she'll tell me like, you know, I'll call and be like, oh, I'm done with work. Uh, what is the baby doing? And she's like, oh, just she's fine. She's here. She's playing. Just chill out do your thing, come when you can. And that's, yeah. And, and, you know, and so that kind of prompted my, you know, self-care journey really. Or my mom would like force me to go take a nap because I'm not a napper. I hate napping in generally speaking, but Mm -hmm. you know, in in the beginning, especially when your baby's always awake (laughs) every couple hours, like you are forced to take a nap. Right. So um, I kind of, that was like sort of how I learned or am learning, I should say, still learning um, how to take care of myself. Um, So I, I don't think it's a particular thing that I do. I don't have like a go-to thing, but it's more like I take, I take a couple extra minutes um, to myself after like, Mm -hmm. after, if I'm not with my child and I'm doing something and I don't have to rush back to her, you know, after whatever, whether it's work or whether it's, you know, you know, just go to the store or something. I take a few extra minutes. If it's 20, I can spare. If it's five, I can spare. I take a few minutes to just, you know, hang out by myself or with myself. Yeah, that's so important. I mean, that's definitely one of the more important, I think, parts of self-care. And it's it's funny, like for me, I always used to say that, you know, my self-care is, is connecting with other people because I'm an extrovert and stuff yeah. like that. But as much as I still very much need that and I obviously can't really do much of that during the pandemic, um, there is something like extra now that I need as a mom and where I just need to like disconnect from, I, I kind of, it was funny, I was talking to my therapist actually last week and I was telling her, I was like, I kind of just need like time to, be myself like you know whether I'm just like watching tv or like scrolling through instagram it's like time for me to just be me and like not you know a wife or a daughter or a mother you know it's just like me time Mm -hmm. for sure and you know and 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 you know since your mom is your also primary you know yeah care you know that like the being a daughter part is like sort of amplified (laughs) when you're good and bad both you know um it's uh it's just yeah there's there's so many roles and 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 for me specifically like I really was living this very nomadic life you know where Mm -hmm. I'm I feel like going to Vietnam tomorrow and so then that's my husband's story by the way about how one day like you know when he we were just dating how I was I literally we were just hanging out and I was saying hey I really want to go to Vietnam which is only three hours away from Bangladesh so it's not it's not as crazy as it sounds but (laughs) um but kind of is and I was like I want to go to Vietnam and then he's like oh okay cool and then I just like went online and bought a ticket and 
went two days mm-hmm. later. You know, that will never happen again, probably. Yeah, yeah. Like 20 years. But, you know, um, but so I went from like that life to this like, yes, being a mom and being a, a really new wife and also relearning how to be a daughter again. So mm-hmm. there's all these roles that, you know, I'm, you know, enjoying. I mean, I'm enjoying them, to be quite honest, I am. But, but they, you know, it. there are times where I'm just like, I just want to be by myself, like you yeah. said also an extrovert so um because i took that for granted before as i think probably Mm -hmm. moms do that (laughs) i have the time to just lay there and do nothing or like scroll on the internet and without Mm -hmm. a care so yeah those extra minutes that i was talking about earlier really like add up you know yeah yeah no they really do and they're they're so important. I mean, my therapist was actually just saying that to me she's like, you know, you need something like not just like you know, an hour of self care, whatever that is on the weekend, you need something that like you're doing a little bit every day. And I'm and I was just like, beating my brain to try to figure out what that is. And to be honest, it is sort of like, just laying on the couch and doing nothing at the end of the day. Um, You know, for me, it's usually after my baby goes to sleep, and you know, we finish dinner and my husband goes and like, you know, he does his own thing for a little bit. and, And I can just like, lay there and then I go to bed. And like, that's it. That's my evening. But Are you doing that, um, which uh, I, don't, I don't know, maybe this is someone's coined some this as something uh, where you're like up at like 2am and mm-hmm. just out by yourself because that's the only time the house. Yeah. Is <laughs> do you do that? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm doing it and I am, and I don't know if maybe my daughter's getting this from me, but I am a morning person mm-hmm. and I do not function well at night. I never uh, okay. was in college. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I can't even write at night, you know, mm-hmm. um, I can't do anything, but like 6am and I'm just like, I sound like a psychopath, but whatever. But like, I am just like awake and, you know, raring to go. So for me, that nighttime space where, you know, like you get to like be by yourself because everyone's quiet in the house. I'm, I started getting into that, um, in that cycle where I'll just be like reading my articles or reading my book or whatever, mm-hmm. or, or like browsing the internet or trying to get some writing done. Um, because I think as a writer mama, you're always trying to get writing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, it started making me cranky. Like it just made me really mm. cranky. I had a really tough time getting back up and, you know, like, and, you know, when it was time to feed her and all of that, I was just, it just sucked for me. So I'm, but I'm really tempted to stay up because it's so quiet and I'm like, oh, I can just get it. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm trying not to, because I don't function well. Like I just don't function well. So. Right. Yeah. It actually took me probably, you might be a little bit ahead of the game, but cause it took me, I think until like month five with my baby Uh when I realized that the best thing I can actually do for myself is like go to bed early and probably yeah. through most of the fall, especially with like all the election craziness was going on. And I was like right. extra stressed about that. Yeah. I literally was going to bed at like eight 30 and my baby was going to bed at like six 30 or seven. Oh, wow. And I was going to bed like shortly after I was like eating dinner, laying on the couch for 10 minutes and then pretty much just zonking myself out. But it, but it's what helped, you know, it's what I needed at the time. And I still like last night, well, yesterday I had LASIK surgery correction on my eyes. So I had to go to bed early anyway, but you know, but Sunday night was like the same thing. I was just like, I don't know, really tired. And I like came up to my husband and I was like, I, I just need to go to bed. Like the baby was fussy and like, yeah, 
it was just like not a good evening. Like the weekend was great, but by the evening I was just like really tired and I was like, I'm just gonna go to bed early too. Like Yeah, I'm I mean I'm not that ahead of the game because I literally just like discovered this like two, three days ago where <laughs> stop this bullshit of like I'm not a night owl at all mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. even I don't know I was I was totally a party girl in my 20s and I don't know how the hell I did it alcohol probably but <laughs> uh, but I am not a night person I don't enjoy the night I love the morning I love daytime so like why am I doing this to myself right like, you right. know so and I'm like my body hurts and everything hurts and it's still hurting and I'm only three months postpartum there's all these random aches and pains that just Occur. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm that like, all right. Happen. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, right. Did uh, we talk about that for a second? How just like all like I had, um, I delivered vaginally, and it's just mm-hmm. like all of a sudden, like I'm fine otherwise, but it's like I most days I don't even remember that like something came out of my vagina, but mm-hmm. you know, but like all of a sudden I'll just like have these cramps, and I'm like, what the hell? Why? Yeah. yeah. And it's almost as if my body's reminding me, like, guess what you did a couple of months ago? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Don't mm -hmm. you forget it. It was kind of crazy, you know? Um, Well, the cramps, I think, if I remember correctly, I think the cramps are actually just like your uterus going back to its normal size, which is like crazy to think. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it takes a while, which like, I I remember like reading that in my like, you know, post post whatever delivery paperwork and thinking like that's crazy that it takes so long and then I was like actually no because that's like a quarter of the time that it actually took to grow you know like we forget I think that it took us nine months to get to where we were yeah no that's true and it's kind of if you really think about it miraculous that in three months Mm -hmm. you you know under normal like if you have had a pretty healthy you know delivery or you know nothing outstanding I'm trying to be as PC as possible um, that, you know, in three months, you're pretty much healed, you know, but, yeah. um, but, but, you know, I, I think I started off talking about this, but then kind of got veered off. Um, but the mental and emotional part of it is mm-hmm. where I think new moms need the most help. And, and yeah, even your partner doesn't often understand how to, how to do that, you know, mm-hmm. so, um, mm-hmm. like I've, I've struggled a little bit with that, knowing that he's never going to understand because he, cannot give birth so he won't, right. won't get it you know yeah. um, but you know and so it's like how much of that do you explain how much of that do you you know should you should he just get like I don't know I'm, I'm working through those things myself but you know yeah it, how much of it do I understand even still mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's hard to figure out I feel because it's just like so much of it is just hormonal too like it's going on inside of us and we don't even necessarily realize it like I actually had that happen when I stopped breastfeeding like two weeks later and I and I'm literally only recognizing it as of like a week ago and this mm. happened a month ago but like two weeks after I stopped breastfeeding I you know I had like engorgement and stuff which is normal yeah. but right around that time I was also like really angry at different things and I like fought with my husband and just like all this like stupid crap yeah. was happening in my life that I was just like angry and annoyed about and it you know, and then, and then all of a sudden it calmed down and it went away and I was like, all right, fine. I'm back to my old self. And it literally was like two weeks after that, when a a friend of mine mentioned that she was feeling hormonal because, you know, she was also stopping breastfeeding where I was like, Mm. Oh, that's what happened. That's why I was like a freaking wreck. Like those that like week when I was also having like breast engorgement and, and the whole thing. And I was like, Oh, okay. That is just my hormones going crazy because 
you know, your body changes. Like it just keeps changing really yeah, like the I first mean, year so postpartum. Many, still. Yeah, so many hormones, right? So many. And also like, I'm sure like the act of like, I mean, breastfeeding is like that time is so like connecting with your child Mm -hmm. sounds corny and cliche but it's totally true like my my daughter just started clawing at me she's finally (laughs) not finally but entering that phase where she can use her limbs in that way where she Mm -hmm. I still hold my boob like it's a bottle (laughs) funny but it's also like ow you know yeah doing all kinds of things but you know it is it is like only something that I she can share with me right and I can share with her mm-hmm. so I can only imagine when that ends like that must just be an emotional experience anyway right yeah it's it's all the things I mean you know as I've kind of been I've personally been like nearing you know the the end of the first year of parenting like just kind of remembering that this first year is like the craziest and when it's the most changes happen yeah. and and I'm just like oh okay maybe things will calm down but who knows I mean there's still plenty of Plenty yeah. of challenges and adventures and, and stuff ahead of us too. So Which makes it crazy that we're doing this or we've been doing this literally during a pandemic. Yep. Right? Yep. It's insane. I watched this. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched um, Working Moms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, the, you know, every episode starts off with them and they're like, I, I don't know. Is that a, it's a, is it like a mommy group? I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a mommy group. Yeah, because it's not like daycare or anything. It's Mm -hmm. it's specifically for the moms, right? And so, like, you know, they're sitting around talking about, like, different phases of, you know, postpartum or whatever. And um, I don't know if I would have done that, but, like, just being able to go out and, you know, commiserate with other moms or, or, you know what, backtrack a little bit. You know what I missed? Or not missed, but I was like, shit, never got to do that, Mm -hmm. which is um, shame people on the subway into giving me a seat. (laughs) because <laughs> i wasn't here first of all right, Second right. Of all, i was i was here after like the, i was here during my tr- third trimester but i wasn't getting on the subway you yeah know? yeah and i was like and i didn't have a lot of like old people smiling at me on the street you know yeah like, oh, sweet you are with your belly mm-hmm. you know or, like people like like i i i, I always joke but kind of mean it. Like I look way, I looked way better than I thought I would when I was pregnant. Oh, you look great. <laughs> I had really low expectations. This is why I say, I say this. Um, but I, you know, I was, I was like, you know, pretty like fine, whatever. Like I didn't have it right now though. It's a whole other, that's a whole other episode. Uh, of, like, <laughs> body changes and learning to accept all that. But yeah, you know, like, Oh my God, I'm a pretty cute prego and no one gets to freaking see it. No one gets to see all this pregnancy hair that I've grown and mm-hmm. I deal with like IPCOS, so I deal with like, you know, hair issues. And I'm like, I have so much hair right now and I get to show it to nobody because I'm home all the time because there's a pandemic. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so yes. there's all these things that I would read, like ridiculous thoughts that I would think about and I would like sometimes burst into tears because, um, you know, on a more serious note, because just human interaction is what I'm essentially describing, right? That- yeah, yeah. It's it's really like loneliness. It sounds silly, but what we're yeah. really we're really feeling is just like loneliness. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Someone, um, one of the previous guests was talking about how like she also missed that because no one saw her in her pregnancy, and then also right. she, you know, imagined like walking down the street and people being like, "What a cute baby!" And you right. don't really get that because you don't go anywhere. Exactly. Like I didn't do a you know newborn photo shoot for my right. because um 
you know, she was born in November and things were getting a little better in New York, but then, you know, essentially she was born at the end of fall and, mm-hmm. you know, surging again. And I just couldn't, I, I mean, I'd, I'd actually book somebody and then, uh-huh. and then I was like, I can't, I can't like my conscious just won't allow it. Mm-hmm. And in New York and it's cold. So it's not like I can like take her outside and do this, you know? So, right. Um, right. So, you know, all, yeah, all these firsts that you are missing, you know, um, I don't know what's going to happen by the time my daughter's one, but I'm sure there's like, so many, you know, new parents who are like missing what they would maybe have wanted to do for their child's first birthday or baby showers. That's another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up having a baby shower outdoors because it was the summer and um, my sister planned one, but it was, it was a lot. It was a lot for her because she had to make sure there was only a specific amount of people. Everyone was right. distanced and tested and it was just a whole ordeal. And I, love her to death for it. Um, but it was, it was, it was a whole ordeal. And I want to, I want to talk a little bit actually about this reminds me that I want to kind of share my experience, um, like stepping off the plane, seven months pregnant, you yeah, making flying, you know, it was terrifying to be on a plane. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, you know, in Bangladesh, they make you get tested before you um, get get fly anywhere, mm-hmm. come mm-hmm. in and out of the country, the U.S., you know, Great Old America, really has no such standardized laws. Mm-hmm. You know? and so like I get into JFK, and like no, I it's it's August, and really no one's being careful. I wow. don't like I just it just felt like nothing even happened. Yeah, people are wearing masks, but you know, like no one wanted to see my COVID test. No one, like, it was as if nothing even happened, you know? Oh, my God, um, wow. contact tracer didn't call me. Mm-hmm. He followed up with me, even though I filled out all the paperwork and everything. I, <laughs> I did quarantine, but, you know, all that stuff. And just being pregnant and not knowing how it might affect you, you know? I mean, eventually I did get tested, and I didn't have any antibodies. So, you know, luckily I haven't had COVID yet, you mm-hmm. know? But, you know, while I was pregnant. But it's just, like, all of that was so nerve-wracking and then also like to see my family after literally a year because I'd gone back home I'd come back home a year before that Mm -hmm. it was so much (laughs) it was so much and then and then also I was cooped up in at home you know as most of us were in Bangladesh because it's a very um crowded country it's a very crowded city right right world and so like even to take a stroll down the street like my husband was so paranoid he was mm-hmm. like, there's just no way. Like, I'm just not letting you. Like, so uh-huh. I was all the time. So, and I come back to New York and it's a totally changed city. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually able to act, at least go for walks, like wear a mask and, and go for walks in my neighborhood. And I, I remember one day I was just like, I, got, I used to get up really early, like around 5, 5.30, just because I was pregnant and couldn't sleep. And yeah. <laughs> I remember those days. Yes. And just go for walks. And one day I just started crying. I think it was like about couple weeks after I came back and I just started crying because I was like oh my god Mm. I can like go outside and breathe fresh air fresh air ironically speaking (laughs) but you know still like I could breathe in air and and also I would watch people like see my belly and like move away from me Mm. (laughs) like really far away (laughs) Um, so but you know I got that experience, but I didn't get the, oh my God, look how cute you are with your little belly, you know? Yeah. I mean, like they were moving up, moving away out of respect, right? right. To be nice, but yeah. it's definitely a different adventure than we ever thought. Yes. 
All right. So I know I've had you on here for a while, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I do want to ask you one last question, which is um, what is keeping you sane right now? And we kind of talked about this a little bit, but you know, this can be, um, you know, a self-care practice or like a person, um, it can be a routine, like really anything. And, and it can definitely be more than one thing, but like, you know, what's keeping you sane? What's keeping me sane? Um, well, on the logistical front, definitely having my parents help me with the baby. That's mm-hmm. like huge, huge, huge. I can't even stress that enough. I'm super, super lucky. Personally, I um, I really struggled with um, who, who I will become professionally speaking after having a kid. And I always told myself like, you know, I will never let, you know, becoming like I I wouldn't change uh, my professional goals and dreams after being a mom but then Mm -hmm. I became a mom and I'm a very new mom and I was like oh my god I can't go do this I can't just like take off a couple of days or a couple weeks and go do a story in this part or that part of the world so I'm still trying to navigate all that Mm -hmm. but um and in the beginning that was like soul crushing for me and and everyone told me like stop thinking about it like you're enjoy and like recovery, <laughs> like deal with mm-hmm. recovery first. But I was like in here, like trying to like map out career journeys for me because it's just who I am. And, um, <laughs> but right now, um, you know, 12, 13 weeks actually postpartum, I'm actually enjoying figuring out what's next for me. It is okay. keeping me sane. And I say this because I love planning <laughs> and mm-hmm. there's nothing else that I can plan. I can't plan when my kid's going to go to sleep. I can't plan <laughs> if she's going to cry or not. I can't cry. I can't plan if she's going to cluster feed, right? Because mm-hmm. that was the thing mm-hmm. that we were going through for a while, and I didn't know what the hell it was, why she's hungry again, until I looked it up on the internet. <laughs> but right. I can't plan anything that has to do with parenting and my, and my kid. But I can somewhat plan what my, like, professional, which is now personal, dreams and goals are, you know? Mm-hmm. So just like figuring out the possibilities is keeping me sane because if it, it keeps me connected to my the part of myself that is unchanged, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. So where can people find you if, you know, they want to check out your work and stuff like Instagram or do you have a website? Just yeah. tell us all the details. Yeah. Well, if you want to see cute baby pictures, <laughs> you can <laughs> on Instagram at Curves and and words um and then um i have a website uh jenniferchowdhury.com mm-hmm. um and then i'm uh in terms of work stuff i'm active on twitter a lot uh, i share a lot of things share my own work uh share things that i'm interested in um and you can find my twitter handle handle off my website or it's just jen underscore chowdhury um, awesome so yeah uh yeah i i hopefully will be having some things out soon so um, or trying to. So okay. yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I'll definitely make sure to put all those links in the show notes too, so that yeah. people can find your work and everything. Well, thank you so much. This was awesome. I love yeah, hearing your, you. I don't even know what to say, like your crazy international love story, <laughs> baby drama. <laughs> oh my God. That's the title. Hey, agent. <laughs> yes. Oh, Get in touch now. <laughs> Get in touch. You know, Netflix. Hey, <laughs> seriously this would be such a cute netflix series like screw emily in paris oh my god i was just going to say can we open (laughs) it out later like i have such you want like you want international drama 
Here mm-hmm. we go. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Oh my God. So I did not know all that much of the details of Jen's crazy love story, but holy crap, how amazing is that? Just her being in Bangladesh for work and her journalism and then meeting her now husband and just their entire story of moving in together and unexpected pregnancy and getting married and immigration and Wow. I mean, there's so many details and I seriously do hope that somebody listening is going to want to give her a book deal because this shit needs to be out there. Her story is just so incredible and I didn't relate to a lot of the love story part, although I did relate to a lot of what she said about being a mom and how it's so difficult to be a working mom and having to choose between work or spending time with your baby or your self-care needs. I mean, uh, that is something that I battle with pretty much on the daily because I'm also a working mom and I'm working more and more these days, which I really enjoy, but I also enjoy spending time with my baby. And it's really also crucial that I get my own self-care. And, you know, especially what she talked about at the end in terms of taking the time at the end of the night to kind of do nothing. I really can relate to that. I mean, I've been pretty much doing that for the past few weeks and months, to be honest. And as I mentioned, I have been talking with my therapist about how I feel guilty that sometimes at the end of the night, all I can do is just listen to a podcast and scroll through Instagram. But you know what? If that's my self-care, that's my self-care. And we should not apologize for it. So definitely, if you love hearing Jen's story, make sure that you check out her work and it will be linked in the show notes. And you should also follow on her Instagram at Curves and Words. And as always, remember, you are not alone. Tune in next week for another honors conversation about the challenges and joys of being a pandemic mama. In the meantime, feel free to email me with your pandemic parenting questions at pandemicmamapod at gmail.com. Plus, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at pandemicmamapod for more updates. Also, I would really appreciate your ratings or reviews. As a new podcast, this is one of the best ways to get the word out about these stories. So please scroll down in your favorite podcast app, rate us five stars, and share a comment. Thank you. Pandemic Mama is produced and hosted by me, Irina Gonzalez, with art by Chaotic Coco, music by FM underscore free music on SoundCloud, and editing by the best of husbands and best of men. I'll talk to you soon. Stay sane and stay safe.